Fulfillment shows up after a solution is earned. Anything worth having first requires both effort and sacrifice. No matter who you are or what you do, whether you're a single mom or a CEO, the common denominator is this, that we all have a seven-day hustle. They don't all look the same, but they're there regardless of our situation. Here's the thing. Struggle shouldn't always produce more struggle. If done right, it should result in a dance. What we do throughout these seven days reflects directly on our progress forward. As it generally goes, you know, a lot of the good conversation starts before I hit record. <laughs> and then, and so I, I didn't want to lose all that. But Keith, thank you for being on the podcast. Um, this has been something we've been talking about for a very long time. And I just, I appreciate you and I appreciate your willingness to do this. So thank you. You're welcome. A couple of things that I want to talk about. Um, and, a, and a lot of this is sparked kind of in our, in our pre-conversation is we don't really necessarily have an overall topic or theme for this conversation. And, you know, with, since I've gotten to know you over the last, what is it? Two years now. Mm -hmm. When was I out there? Was it was it last winter or was it two winters ago? It was last winter. Because see, it, it feels like it's been two years for me. <laughs> I don't know why that is, but even, you know, I was in Florida last week and it feels like I was I've been back for two weeks. But for whatever reason, my the time space continuum <laughs> is shifting. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, but, you know, it it it. I feel like that's appropriate for this though, because that's kind of how our conversations have always been. Like they just, they evolve, they start somewhere and they end up somewhere else completely different, but it's all relevant to life. And and you're somebody that's extremely gracious and sharing your knowledge with and wisdom and even just willingness to talk, you know, with, with everybody around you. So thank you for that. Um, to do it. Start off. You got what you what you, what's called the Get to Work devotional that you started. A little. Um, how long is it? Has that been going for a year now too? Did that start this last year. It had. No, it started. Uh, started it like wasn't... like the day before Memorial Day or something. Yeah, yeah. So just this last year, because I remember you talking yeah. about, hey, I'm going to do something, and then all of a sudden it came out. So where did that? Where, why, how did that start? Where did the, where did the drive come from? I've been thinking about it for about a year and a half that I should do, could do something. I watch others that are out there posting every day and, or at least a couple times a week and some of it meaningful and some of it not terribly meaningful. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I thought, you know, meaningful would be better. Mm -hmm. And I have a little bit of meaningful inside of me based on some uh, activities that I've been doing literally for decades yeah. uh, that we can get more into at some point, or I might just go ahead and share it uh, at the end of this, what I'm saying. So get to work devotional came from, from me saying, I've got, I've got this stuff boiling up in me and I feel like I need to say, say something. I need to say these things kind of almost to, to evacuate the overflow. So yeah. you picture a glass, you're running water into it and it's overflowing like crazy, right? So to evacuate the overflow to somewhere productive rather than down the drain 
or to people that have heard it before or numb to my voice, then maybe I can reach out to those who are not already numb to my voice <laughs> and, and, uh, and say some of the stuff that literally I've been saying in some cases for years. Uh, and what I mean by years is that when I was 28 years old, I made a commitment and there's a kind of a bit of a story that goes with it. I made a commitment to be in the, in the word every day of my life for the rest of my life. That was 31 years ago, 31 and a half years ago now. And it was a vow. It was, it was out of a, in a moment of crisis where I absolutely had to have something more than bigger than myself. I was the, at that point in my life, I was a father of seven kids, really no reason to quit having kids. We were, and being parents, because my wife and I were good at it. We've always been very uh, matriarchal and patriarchal in the way we do things. No reason to stop that, you know, and we asked God, what's his opinion? No, we're having more than four, let's say. We're having, we had seven. Okay. So that was a, and then I had the business and I had it for a number of years. And it was hard and confusing and never the same day to day, even though we did the same things every day yeah. and a lot of decisions. And, you know, you understand what I'm saying about that. It's, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> there's a certain kind of crazy that comes with it, even though there's processes to what you do. Yeah. So and then ministry at church. And, and I, I realized at that point that I had to have something bigger than myself. Yeah. And that's where that commitment came out of the desperation to say that I have to have something bigger, greater than me. 31 years ago, I started that. And this is kind of an outflow of that where it's like, now I have so much, I don't get to talk. I don't get to preach. I don't teach at church. I, I teach some of my employees little snippets here and there, but I have to say something. I have to give the overflow to something, something rather than down a drain to something productive. So there you go. I'm trying to figure out where I want to start because you said a couple of things that I almost wanted to stop you on, but I can't, but I can't, but you're on a roll. Um, You mentioned something about when you, when you said that the vow to yourself, and obviously God's a part of that to be in the word every day of your life. Yeah. I got on this, this, got in this conversation with somebody just the other day is that it it's interesting that you that you that you chose that and and the reason why I say it is because oftentimes most people will commit to reading something or just investing in themselves every day but there is a point I feel like it's kind of watered down from the truth you know what I mean? Because if you're following somebody else and you're following what they're saying, it's not that it's wrong. But the good thing about Christianity is you can always back everything up with the Bible and the word of God. And so, you know, I feel like we have we're disillusioned to to feel like, well, things are different now than they were back then. Not really. They're actually not any different at all. It's not any different now than it was back then, because. What I'm getting to here is the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of people that would follow John the Baptist and would mistake him for the quote unquote Messiah. And he says, no, like I'm just repeating the things that I know to you. I'm not actually the guy. <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm not the dude. And we have that 
we still deal with that same thing now, you know, and, and I have to watch this for myself because I mean, how many people and platforms do you know that you can pay to be a part of? There's some sort of leader, there's some sort of group and it's a giant, um, it's just kind of a giant thing that moves around in a group. But it's still, if it's true, that doesn't mean that what they're saying is wrong, but it's still secondary truth from the ultimate source, which is the Bible. Yep. Would you agree with that? I would, with one more step, saying okay. that the, the Bible is, is a dynamic book. It is alive, and it does... It does, as the Bible says itself, it does cut. It does cut through the heart. It cuts through the, the bone and the marrow, okay? It cuts to the deepest core. Yep. But the author of the Bible is the issue. Yes. Okay. And not the, not the people that wrote it, the ultimate author. Yes. He's the issue. He's the redemptive power. He's the one that gives salvation. He's the one that, that gives us victory over ourselves, over our sin, over, over the things we try to get from, from personal development, these other things, these disciplines. Mm -hmm. He's the one that gives us victory, actual victory over right. the things that are our lack of disciplines or our sins. Okay. Yes. I, and so <laughs> it's interesting that you said that because you still involve yourself with retreats and seminars and all and and it's not like you're absent from that space either but as far as what you chose and what you choose to invest into yourself as as a non-negotiable daily thing is the ultimate source for where all of this comes from all of this wisdom you know all and it's i hate to use the word because it's not not in a negative way but it's regurgitated you know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's just, it's repeated. And um, so that, that's something that stuck out to me because that's, I mean, I, I kind of struggle with that is, you know, wh where is the balance? Where, where do the scales tip? Where do I go too far in one direction to where I'm more following a, following a, uh, a replica versus the actual thing? You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, let me let me give a quick example, not to take too much time, but oh, you're fine. I heard recently I heard recently in a sermon that which I'd never heard that you know we all know that uh, cows have five stomachs, right? Okay. And they regurgitate their their food and they and they use that process to digest. Well, apparently yeah. sheep have the same thing. I didn't know that. So so we are sheep in the spiritual world. We're called sheep. Yeah. We're a little bit dumb sometimes. We're a little we go astray unless we have good good direction. The shepherd in our life holding us within the pen and in yeah. a safe place. We go to the unsafe places. And the guy in the sermon was talking about the fact that he was talking about spiritual meditation. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that a great example of that is when the sheep regurgitate their food. It's not fully digested until it moves a certain number of times. And he didn't give the number, but yeah. the implication was eight to 10 times it moves back and forth amongst these stomachs it regurgitates back and forth yeah it's a great example of what we need as as spiritual disciples of christ we can fill our stomachs with a lot of people stuff yeah and then and then of course another stomach will eat you know some of scripture and other these things but ultimately the way we come to what we're supposed to when it comes to wisdom and understanding and the way we're supposed to live out those things is by 
is by meditating it, regurgitating it back and forth, spending some time to to actually chew on it, mm-hmm. like literally not just in our mouth, but in the case of that examples in the stomachs, just, and it yeah. does it kind of organically, kind of naturally. Yeah. Sometimes we want that immediate impact. And that's what we can get from personal development gurus. Like and we can listen to Ed Milet and we get all, all amped up because he yells. You know? <laughs> yeah. We, and, he's and, not and you know what he's saying? Wrong either. Wrong, but it, yeah. Yeah. But it falls short about, okay, we can, change the one behavior for now but are we going to change it permanently well we need to think about that for a while because that's a big commitment so meditation kind of meditating regurgitating i like that term it's gross but i like that term because it fits it fits who we are and what we need to do on the inside yeah i i feel like the 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 most realizations i've got is not when i was looking for the immediate answer but after it like you said, after it's regurgitated, well, after you have let time pass mm-hmm. and in that time between, you know, the need and the solution for whatever it is you're going through, you know, because it, it, it starts out, I'm searching for something. There's a need. Okay. Yeah. So then yeah. you search it out. There's the action. By the time you actually get the solution, the timeline that you would like to have, it is very short, but the timeline that you actually get it <laughs> could be a lot longer than you were hoping for. So that space in between can bring a lot of different emotions, a lot, anxiety, stress, depression, like maybe individually or maybe all at once and they might come and go. And so what do we do with that space in between? So we don't lose ourselves in the process. And I have to, and and this is a daily thing, remind myself who I am, what my faith is, and like, and more so it boils down to the promises that are involved in that, you know, and, and the direction, because if I'm trying to solve a problem that's bigger than me, then I need to listen to somebody who's bigger than me in order to actually get there. So if he says, be still, then I need to do just that. Be still, be still and know that I'm gone. You know, don't worry. This isn't, like it it will work out and that time that space in between it's like i think that's what will make or break a lot of people you know like what what do you do with that so i kind of got off on a on a rabbit trail there but yeah like i just it it sinks in for me because it it resonates a lot you know, it's something yeah. that I let deal me, with. Let me, let me put a cap on the end of that. Please. In regards to how God functions in, in regards to our timeline. So I came up with it. My dad has a hundred, what we call, his name is Earl. He has a hundred Earlisms. We're always repeating him. He's been gone for decades. Mm-hmm. And I still say things he said uh, once, at least once a day, twice a day. But one of my own is in regards to God, he is almost never early but he is absolutely never late so when he needs you to understand something when he needs you when you're supposed to understand it we're the ones that are holding that back he's not late yeah now his timeline might be very different than ours in many areas of our life and it often is but he's never late 
Now, he's not, he's rarely early because that he knows that being early wastes. It's like throwing pearls to swine. You don't throw jewelry in a in a pig pen. You don't do that. That's foolishness. He knows that we're foolish people and that we'll use it improperly. But if he gives it at the right time, in the right situation, then we learn the lesson, and and then the kingdom, his his work, then is produced through us because he gave it to us at the right time. Right. Anything before that, we're not ready for it. It's that's it's, right. It's kind of like yeah. giving a child a gun. Like you don't know how to handle what I just gave you or what I have for you. No, and the same applies to him revealing the our shortcomings, the sin in our lives. Yeah. He will not, absolutely will not reveal more than we can handle. Now, if he showed me how filthy I really am when it comes to how my mind, you know, I know, I know a lot of it. I know some some of it and a lot of it about myself. But if he revealed everything that's there, I literally would be crushed by that. So he doesn't do it. So you're kind of, I mean, you're a very mild mannered person, but it's not like you're not ambitious you know like you've done a lot in your life did have you found you know in in the waiting we'll say um like you just plain want to do more and, and i ask that because i'm very much like that it's like i want to do way more than i'm doing right now but i have to remind myself that yeah <laughs> i'm not ready for that <laughs> like yeah. as much as i don't want to admit that to myself like what i'm ready and capable for is where I'm at right now. And I already know where I could make better improvements from where I'm at right now. So really the much more that I want, I don't like that's, I don't have the capability to take that on yet. That's just not a part of who I am yet. Or the, or the maturity, you know, he's being gracious by by kind of holding, holding the reins a little bit back and saying, no, you know, maybe next year or the year after we'll let you. And he's not worried about the years. He's not in a hurry. Yeah. Have you, is that something that you've experienced too? Oh yeah. I, in the last couple of years and in, in my role at KNL has transitioned to me being more of what we, we here call the visionary. Yeah. I, I have 10 ideas a week. Nine of them are terrible. <laughs> you know, and, and I shouldn't share them with anybody, you know, <laughs> But I do have some that are worth talking about, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I bring those to the to the management team, who is my son and my wife. Not always. I usually wait and ruminate on it a while. I regurgitate it and I figure it out. Is it going to work? Because yeah. I know the questions are going to come. Yeah. So, so is there justification behind it and all these other things? But but I look out in my future and I I won't get into all the things that I someday want to have bef- as on my bucket list and literally things that I think God's called me to before I die. Yeah. Uh, and some of it has to do with things that other people listening to this podcast, like look at me, mm-hmm. a fairly spiritual guy. Like if I've been in the word 31 years straight, then that means that, that, you know, spiritual is a big part of my life. And yet I have some kind of some financial goals that the, that same person might look at me and say, no, those don't sit if those don't fit in the same person. They don't fit in the same world. And yet I think that's part of me growing is I have this goal. Now, whether or not he gives me that goal, just like I dream it up completely up to him. I, 
I hold loosely. I hold with open hands. They're not clenched on the on the vision, the goal that I think is, but they're open and they're loose so that he can make it what he wants because ultimately what I really want is I want to help people and I want the kingdom of God. I want his kingdom to move forward. And I don't want to stand in the way of that by holding too tightly to something. So in what context do you say that in that, you know, you're not, that's not for you or you're not ready for that or something along those lines. You alluded to that. Is that you having that view of yourself or is that other people saying that those two things don't fit together? Because, and here's why I say that there are, or we'll just say there is a feeling that if you believe in God and if you're a Christian, you're not allowed to have money or, or work for those things. There's a, there's a big feeling that goes, that goes along with being a Christian. How that got there. I don't know because sometimes finances is the catalyst to make things happen. <laughs> like, yep. it, you know, so the simple response is a, um, it's not what you have, but how the, but what you do with it. And yep. B, if you're worried that much about finances, butting up against Christianity, you're already putting finances on a bigger pedestal than it needs to be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we're supposed to. The the frustration within the Christian world is that we're it's clear all over Scripture that we're supposed to have joy, mm-hmm. peace, and a term I I call fullness. Now, that for me, that's the word that encapsul- encapsulates that that full and overflowing cup that also means that my life I'm content, Mm -hmm. not satisfied, but content with what God has given me. Mm -hmm. And yet, and yet we're supposed to prosper, which means more. I mean, essentially the prosper, prosper means more take over the land, go, go eat the, eat the great food that even somebody else grew. Yeah. Okay. That's all over. That's all over the Bible. So where we got that mindset, I'm not exactly sure, but it's not correct for me, for sure. It's not actually correct. I, I want to be the person in my life, like like uh, Ed Milet says, be the be that guy, that yeah. first one in uh, first one in your family. Yeah. I want to be that one in my family that says more is okay. Yeah, we're gonna do it like God said so, but more is not only okay; it's almost part of the prescription here. Well, part of our- you can't get distracted by by things that don't matter okay but because if you look at if you look at godly principles everything about god is in abundance okay yep. every single thing about god is in abundance he you know he wants the best for us he i mean even look at um um like like the 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 fish and the loaves when he, when he 5000 you know what i mean like that's not the first time he did that for one thing but like it's not like, all right, you get just enough for what you need and you get just enough. And we have to be really careful and scared that we don't, you know, the, the, it's like, no, it grew to where there was more than was more than was needed. You know, that's just, mm-hmm. that's just a small example. But if you look at in the ways that God initially provides for us, there's nothing scarce about that, no. you know? So don't be surprised when he blesses you in abundance. 
you know, and you said the word prosper. And I looked at, at the, the whiteboard behind me because as soon as I put this whiteboard up, the first thing I, the first thing I wrote on there uh, was Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Yeah, like when I started, I was my... just looking, I was just looking up that passage because okay. it's not the it's not the mantra. Like there's a lot of pieces to that that send me to a lot of other things in scripture and right. and in my mind that I need to think about. Right. But that's God's heart. Now it was said to by Jeremiah, a prophet to the children of Israel. Yeah. But why would he say that if it wasn't his heart? That's his heart for you. It's his heart for me. Well, and I think you could argue that against. Um, you know, mo money is the root of all evil, but nobody said money is evil. Yep. Money is the root of all evil. The only, and, and what is said is that the heart is evil. Mm -hmm. so money is the root of all evil. It's not evil itself, but the heart is evil. So if your heart is wrapped around money, you're going to use it for evil. You know, it's just, it's the whole theme of, we almost land too long on the topic of money because people hold it at too high of a regard. Yes, but, but, uh, 30, I don't remember these. I think there were 37 parables and 24 of them were about money. Yeah. Okay. So, so it Jesus, is important. it's important. Like it's important because it's one of the biggest stumbling blocks. Yes. And I'm not saying that I have it perfect, but I am saying that some of the extravagant things that perhaps are in my future, because I have a vision for them, they, they may cause me to stumble. And I believe that God loves me enough to protect me from those things. Yeah. And yet he, he probably in that case will tweak it with something that has even more significant abundance for me. He will, because yeah. that's what he wants. He wants me to prosper, and have abundance. He wants fullness in my life. And if he knows that that vision won't bring fullness that it'll make me stumble as long as i hold loosely that's the greatest position to be in yep which is hard to do well it's it's part of it's the biggest part of our job on earth is keep driving keep going forward keep prospering keep you know supplying for our families providing protecting loving those around us love god this way and then love god love people this way that's a great commandment right yeah. Go do those things. But as we do that, if we don't do it in an understanding manner, we can get off kilter. And that's our biggest job in this world is to stay. Balance is not really the right word. And yet it does create a picture of saying, I have to do both. I have to be and. Yeah. Re resigned and redeemed and sanctified and all the things that are part of the spiritual world and i'm and i gotta go out to work and get my put my boots on and go get dirty right and i have to do that right i started i like that you said and because that's something that i've been saying <clears throat> i can't remember who exactly i heard say it but they they beat that uh they, they landed on that as is removing or and replacing with an and like why do we have to have an or you know, and it just made so much sense because we battle so many, so much in our life on this or that. And it's a matter of sacrifice on one when you really want both. Well, instead of wrapping your mind around the frame or on the framework of it has to be one or the other, why not just figure out how to make it an and statement? Mm -hmm. 
you know, and it frees you up from, it changes your perspective on reality, what you're able to do. You know, like you don't have to think that way. That's you putting that thought in your mind. Nobody else said that. Just look at it from a different way. Yeah. I think that was John Maxwell. <laughs> was it John Maxwell? I, I, yeah, I think so. He's probably not the only one that said it though. Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause it, it's bugging me where I, where I heard it from, but yes, it's, <clears throat> oh, all right. So we can go two different directions here and they're both going to be good ones. Um, because we we've kind of segued into into one or one or the other um what we had talked about earlier with the um we'll just call it lead separation like the distance between leading distance that you may feel the higher up in ranks that you go in leadership um and personal development you know what that actually what purpose is that actually supposed to serve you know, so we can go one of two directions here. Which which one sticks out to you the most? I I didn't even hear it when you said the second because I was thinking about the first. <laughs> to be real, there's honest. our answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go with it. Uh, it's terrible to ignore the the host of the podcast. But no, you're just <laughs> hey, no, but that's we can only <laughs> no, you're. <laughs> That's crazy. Is willing to admit what everybody does, but doesn't want to say. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So where the reason I was distracted for a moment is because you said lead separation, you know, as we become a leader and we move to a different zone, yeah. I don't know what else to call it. Yeah. Position is one way to call it, but it's, that's not it completely a different zone in our life and in our, in our companies, in our world. Uh, I go back to that that book, Good to Great, where they basically analyze multiple companies and what does the, what does the CEO do? Yeah. What kind of person is he, he or she, how do they act? And in most cases, those people go out and spend time on the floor with their crew. They go meet them. They know many of them knew their people by name. Mm -hmm. uh, the, there's another book about, I can't remember the name of it right now, about Disney. Okay. And it talked about Disney World when it was when it was built. It became a whole separate company. And the, the, the main guy there, basically, he went out and met his, what they call team members or his, no, I can't remember what they call them in Disney. St uh, staff, not staff. Anyway. Uh, he knew almost all of them by name. And that's the kind of thing that a great leader can do. Yeah. Once you, once you transition out of <clears throat> many of the day-to-day -day details, mm -hmm. and that's, that's where I have the privilege, not on every day, because I'm back in a position, somebody quit off of our management team out of the blue about two months ago, just moved from Oregon to Colorado, literally over a weekend and said, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. And I was like, oh, well, that's surprising. No, so I'm no back in. No nothing. Say that. No warning, no nothing. No, no. Apparently he knew on Tuesday, didn't tell us till Friday. Two hours later, he was gone. By Monday, he started a new job in Colorado. So, so I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but do you think it's because he didn't know how to tell you? Um, you know, because generally 
from from what I've seen, even firsthand, everybody that works for you holds you in very high regard. Um, and so do you think that there was any element of I don't want to let him down? So the best way for me to do that is just to kind of rip the band-aid off at the last minute. Or yeah, I don't I don't think it was particularly intentional, but yeah. I think probably I would like to think that there was enough respect to say uh, it's going to be a hard conversation. Yeah. I would like to think that our culture is good enough and that he fit it well enough that it was going to be, he saw the other end, the, the thing he had to go do allegedly, supposedly yeah, as important and needed to be done, but didn't want to leave us. You know, yeah. there's, you know, you get ripped, right. Yeah. You get ripped inside. Yeah. You become part of something for a year and you don't want to, you know, I would like to think our culture was good enough that there was a place for him for sure. And then it, well, he didn't leave just because, just because we were the problem. Yeah, no, you, I don't and, think you know, it would change. And I would like to think job. that. But, <laughs> and yeah. then, then maybe that's why it waited to the last moment. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, either way, I haven't thought too much about it because it really is not productive. So that yeah. all being said is that I, he, he left. That yep. was the position that I had before that we hired him for. Yep. Now I'm back in that role again. Yep. And the highlight of that is that, is that now I get to rebuild that position better. Mm. I, I observe things from a distance. I watched him and I'm not critical of him. He did yep. a fine job. Yeah. But now I think, okay, if I label what he did as a good thing, as a doing a good job, what would it look like to be great? Yeah. So since then, I went and did some training on that subject. It was a week long. It was intense. It gave me a headache. And now I've come back and now I know who to hire because there's certain things in that training that I'm like, I will never do these things effectively. It's not me. And yet now I know who to look for. Can this person then come in and do these things effectively and yeah. and literally spark this part of our business to the point it needs to go. So it's and not, so I have a chance to rebuild it. So it's not that the pro it, clarify this for me. It, it's it's not that the process is ineffective. It's that you're ineffective in the process. Yes. I am not you're not the best person I'm not, to fill those I'm shoes. not yes I'm not the right person in the right seat in this role. Even though you own the business. <laughs> I'm founder I'm owner. Yes. I just, I, I have all this authority, let's say. Yeah. But we did not multiply our business in the last, it's been seven years, but we, we started seeing the light at the end of the tunnel on right people, right seat about yep. four or five years ago. And we would not be where we are now. If, if I forced my past, what my impressions of my past on Keith Jr. and on this business. Yeah. My, if I didn't take my boots off and literally leave them at home and, and only visit the crew when I'm literally there to go just spend time with them and not ask, not tell them one thing. Yeah. If I had not done that, we wouldn't be what we are. We would not be because I am not the right person for that. I'm also not the right person for it was a sales director that quit. I'm not the right person for sales directing. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of schedule to that. A lot of 
honing down and making sure that there's a ton of accountability to the guys in, in how they follow up and, you know, how, what, how we're treating customers, especially prior to their, them being our customer. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm okay temporarily with creating that accountability, which I've done, but long-term the next year, two, three, I'm not the right guy for that. Right. And I need to know that about myself. So I'm going to, I'm going to build this so that the next guy can succeed and not just be good, but really my goal is that he'll be great. Yeah. Well, the reason I nailed that to the wall is because I find that happening in with a lot of people and a lot of business owners and, and they start, they get to the point to where they start dreading. And I found myself in that same space as you dread, not dread your business, but you start to dread certain elements of it when it gets to mm-hmm. a point. And, and I want to say, um, you know, where I started hearing that theme is so, so I have, you're talking about good to great. There's a book about that, which I have, I have not gone through it yet. Um, but I started hearing those themes when I read, uh, free to focus and I'm almost done with the e-myth, um, uh, the entrepreneur myth. And I started hearing those themes in there. And so it's, it's interesting that you're talking about it now is that just remove yourself from that position, you know, and, on one of the calls that we were in uh, not too long ago with uh, TCS, it was brought up. Were you, were you in there when I, when I had kind of mentioned towards the end of the call, something about ego? I think I bounced in for part of that. Okay. So basically it was, you know, in the business space and in the personal, personal development space, everybody, it generally kind of revolves around some sort of business or some sort of goal pertaining to business and everybody wants to grow everybody wants to do all these things okay and and what i pointed out is that your biggest hindrance in growth is going to be your ego getting in the way because you have to step out of the way for your business to grow like you cannot be the catalyst to take it to the next from where it is now to where you want it to go there has to be other people involved now Obviously, there are many businesses that are very large with two people, you know, so you have to take that with a grain of salt, depending on your industry. The asphalt industry, you know, which is what you and I are in, it takes a lot of people, it takes a lot of processes, it takes a lot. And so you physically cannot, A, you can't physically do all those things, you can't mentally do all those things, and your desire might not be to do all of those things. You know, and that's why I nailed that to the wall for a minute is because I want to point out somebody with your level of success in your field and, 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 you know, and it grows exponentially. I mean, there's more businesses involved that you've started, that you have, that you coach other than Mm K&L and those themes helped propel those and just, just get them a giant jumpstart. And so you saying somebody that's very successful in your space that I'm not good at this position in my own company. That's something that kind of needs to be put on the wall somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think more people yeah. need to, to understand that. Yeah. Well, let me, let me back up what I'm saying a little bit by yeah. saying one of the things I forget which book it was of John Maxwell's I've, I've listened to a lot of and read a few of them lately probably one of his, uh, you know, his, his 21 laws of something, right? Yeah. He's got a lot of those. 
And he was talking about the fact that when something fails within his, he was a pastor, when something failed within his church, when something fails within his business, Mm -hmm. it's his responsibility. I mean, he's 70 some years old now, so it's probably less now than it was. It's his responsibility to jump in when something fails or someone quits or some, you know, something blows up to go in and, and basically go learn it, go become as, as good as it, go make it as good as you can get, right. Become the person that makes it good. And then, and then pass it as soon as you can, because you're not going to be good at everything. You're just not. Yeah. And, and I, I appreciated hearing that from him, of course, because that's what I'm really trying to do. I want to make sure and light up that part of the business. It's sales. That's like, that's like fuel for this engine, man. We, we pull that's the horsepower Yeah. for this, this nothing, money nothing eating follows if you can't feed the beast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I can provide that fuel by jumping in, rebuilding it, putting some timelines on it. Say I can survive this, not just survive it, but I can, I can prosper. I can, I can build well for this period of time. Yeah. And then, and then I'll have to pass this along because I will not, I will not thrive if I'm here long-term. Yeah. But it's my responsibility to make sure it's as best as, it, as good as it can be for the next guy, guy or girl. Yeah. So we, we, we may have taken that uh, pretty far off course from where we started on. So I'm going to try to bring us back to where we, where we left off so we can keep going on that. But it was uh, lead separation and you were falling in, you found that, um, you know, you had to kind of fill some spots where you had that capability to do so. And that's where we had taken a left turn. Well, in separating, in separating ourselves as a, a leader, we hear it a lot in, in our space. You got to take some time and you really do. You need to take some time. It doesn't matter if you're driving in your truck and your boots are on. It's good to take those drives alone. If you have a job site that's 45 minutes away, don't turn the radio on. You know, unless you need to hear the weather report, don't turn the radio on. You have an app, you have an app for the weather anyway. (laughs) Yeah. That's better than the radio. Right. So spend some time alone uh, for a lot of reasons. Number one, number one, the things that I mentioned in my life, and I think everybody's life needs is joy and peace. Well, joy comes from, from thinking the right things and, and uh, putting yourself in a position for joy. Then joy, then joy is an outcome of how we, uh, to many ways, in many ways, how we behave, but it's a, it's partly mindset too. We can put ourselves in a position for that. Now, peace is often literally a mystery. It's a miracle. Like, where do we even get peace? You have a business that literally drives you, drives you, and it drives you crazy, right? At times. Yeah. Okay. And so do I. But where do we find peace in all that? Where do we find peace in the fact I just got a call yesterday saying that one of my granddaughters has two ear infections and pneumonia? I'm like, where do I find peace in that? You know, and and so those are on different pieces of the spectrum. Yeah. But where do I find peace in that? And and yet I was able to send a message to someone this morning that I listened to a podcast of a podcast this morning called focus on the family it's actually a radio program that comes on every morning at seven here it is most around the country everywhere yeah and i know this person in virginia that's been struggling with a few things about her mindset about her husband it's a young gal 
you know, younger than most of my kids. And yet I know she's struggling. And I included her on a text message with my wife and sent her this podcast to say, this was really good stuff. You might consider listening to it. Yeah. And so in amongst all the other things that's going on, peace can be revealed by, by how I'm reacting to it. Like, what can I pass along? It might not be about my granddaughter having pneumonia, but it can be something else that's coming along. And I say, just, just I got to overflow that to somebody. And so anyway, I took, a, I took a little rabbit trail there, but the things we want is joy and peace. Yeah. And what's going to, and we need to think about those more often, I think, than anything else. What's going to create joy, peace, and fullness in our lives? Yeah. Again, some of it's mysterious and some of it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Some of it we can't actually provide for ourselves, but that's where, that's where God comes in. That's where his wisdom and understanding this crazy world we're in right. comes in. But those are the things we need to think about often. The next 45 minutes your listeners have in the car, maybe they're in there now on this podcast. Don't shut it off yet. But, but <laughs> yeah, when this podcast is over, spend the next 45 minutes thinking about what those words are like for you. For me, they're joy, peace, and fullness. How do yeah. I get those? <clears throat> What's my mechanism? And I'm not talking about tangible mechanisms sometimes, but where do I find that in my life? Yeah. And, and ask God his opinion on it because... He says he'll give it. Some people call that meditating. Yeah. Well, it is. It's dialogue, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I have a dialogue with the with the guy that knows the most about everything because he made it all. Yeah. And I have a dialogue. I'm back and forth. I say that because I because I want to point out exactly what it is you're talking about. Like, you know, you, you hear the word you hear that meditating word so often and it's like. No, that that's what Keith's talking about right now. Like this is, it's the same thing. <laughs> Whether you, it doesn't yes. matter what you call it. It's the action that you're doing. Yes. And those for you and I in construction and most of the people listening to this, no, we will not sit Indian style on our pillow and meditate. That is not the way it's done. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sometimes it's just being quiet. <laughs> yeah, me and yoga, we're not friends. No, no, not even acquaintances. Yeah. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. I can get in my truck or I can take my take my run. I took a week, a week and a half off now and my body's starting to hurt. So I have to get back to running. Yeah. And, and that's my time. I'll listen to a podcast or I'll just run silent and just think, just get in my own thoughts. And because there's enough time, I can get through some of the garbage and get to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have to do that sometimes. Yeah. That's, we why, all do. that's why I started exercising and, and going to the gym a lot. I mean, I've been doing it consistently. I say consistently, but in the middle of paving season, it turned out to, you know, sometimes two times a week, sometimes three a week, but um, you know, I've been pretty consistent five, six days a week now. Now that we're in the off season, but I've found that, you know, that's been my space to, we'll say like, that's been my area for peace, um, to where like that, to where you unplug, you just, there's nobody else around. And, and honestly, it's hard to keep that because I'll, there's some, I mean, you've seen my posts and whatnot. I'll try to make it encouraging for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, is other people will say, Hey, can I go with you? Like, let me know when you go. Um, you know, can I do this with you? And I honestly have to say, like, I really appreciate that, but this is, this is something that I need to do for me. 
Like, this is my time for me to just get in my own head and be with my own thoughts for a minute, you know? And so I've actually had to turn that down, but I, I get what you're saying. What I have realized is that yours is that, well, I'm going to call it a safe space for me because it it's like, I find peace there. You know, it kind of quiets the noise of the day. Mm-hmm. What I have to be careful of with that is that I don't find that as my only source for peace because what I've caught myself doing is when, when just life is stressful or work is stressful, whatever it is, you want to go back to the place that isn't that, you know? And so then you start to frequent that almost too much. And it's like, well, maybe I could go twice a day. And it's like, no, Kyle, like, like, you have, you still have to engage yeah. in your responsibilities. You can't pull out from that altogether, you know? So realizing that there is a level of too much is also important too. And, and I've, and I found that in the time that I'm in that space for peace, like, you, you know, you, you, like you said, you kind of have to sort through a lot to get to the actual, to get to the actual end, end game. Um, and so like, as I'm in, as I'm there at the gym working out, you start to think, well, maybe I could do this twice today, you know, and then you start to well, bring yourself back down to reality. Well, no, like appreciate it for what it is, but don't go overboard with it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There, there's still, <laughs> there's still other, you can't ignore the rest of your life because you don't have control over it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it goes all the way back to what my mind thought when you were saying that is I've been working with somebody and they said, Hey, what's your go-to prayer? I I meet with this person every week and we talk about spiritual things. Mostly Mm -hmm. he said, what's your go-to prayer? And I went, what is my go-to prayer? Do I have one? You know, and I came to a conclusion about that, but I did realize, and it's not the first time I've realized this, that my, the prayer I have most often prayed in my life is give me courage. Mm. Give me, keep me in the moment. Keep me, keep me fit for what is coming next. When I see that what's coming next is not going to be the thing I like to do or the thing I want to engage in. Maybe it's a hard conversation with an employee. Yesterday morning, I had one. It ends up that there's a disastrous marriage at home right, right now. And yeah. You know, but I, but it was starting to show at work, you know, and I didn't start the conversation by saying, you've been late X number of times, you know, all these things. And, you know, you've not showed up. I said, what's going on? Cause there's something going on. Mm-hmm. I've seen you at your best. I've also seen you at your worst. And this is, this is not the best. You're, you're targeting the source rather than the symptom. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the sickness rather than the symptom. The symptom is, you know, there might be something that's struggling in their marriage. The sickness is why is that happening? Right. And, and once we figured out that we ended up a few minutes later, he came to a conclusion that, Oh, the goal I set last year of doing these certain things, I only got 25% of the way through it. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I'm struggling because there's a trust issue in my marriage. And had I done, had I gotten to the finish line on my goal, trust would it be at least be enhanced maybe not fixed but enhanced yeah and so we went okay so i gotta i gotta recycle that goal and Mm -hmm. and hit that again yeah so 
And it was all his conclusion. I just happened to know what his goal was because I helped. I was there when he said it because I do goal setting with all my people, yeah. you know, and, and that is something that lights me up, but you can hear when I need to refer to something in their, in their life, then I can go back to those goals and say, yeah, but what's, what's going on with that? If you yeah. just get traction in this one area, would it affect the other? So uh, speaking that leadership, yeah, the, speaking of the leadership thing you were just mentioning, as I transition, I, I really believe that the visionary role that I hold now yeah. really should be Keith Jr. Mm. I really, but you know him, he's a very powerful personality and a yeah. sales guy. He's a salesman. Yeah. The problem with that is that he could, <laughs> if we bring in somebody that is running the day-to-day operations of our business. Yeah. And he is a visionary. He's going to come up with all these ideas, 10 of them a week, nine of them might not be any good, but he might think six of them are really good and he might go sell them. Yeah. You know, and so we have to put the right person in place that has that in not just intuition, but that enough to stand up against him. He's a powerful dude, Yeah. you know? And so, and so as I look at out in the future, him taking over the role I am, I don't know where that puts me probably puts me on the bench somewhere. Uh, I, I, you know, in the, at least this business, and maybe I can get to some of these other great grand goals that I have or something at that point, but, but it does put him in a, it literally helps grow the business because he has a knack for it. He has a knack for seeing things three and five years out that the average person can't see. And even three and five minutes out. And, you know, he's, he's got a knack for seeing, seeing, all different distances at the same time. Yeah. And that being said, I need to understand this about him. I need to study him. I need to see him, know him. And I need to figure out in my life what it's going to take for me to get out of the way to light him up. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I'm sitting on the bench. That means I'm on the bench rooting for him and probably starting another freaking team. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start another team, right? In some other world probably on some other baseball league, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, just the, the, the thought that comes to mind when you say that is that if you were to put yourself on the bench, it, it, or think, you know, all right, well, where am I going to be at that point in time? Well, I'll probably be on the bench. That's insinuating that there's no further, that, that there's no more distance to go in that area, you know? Yeah. And, and I, and I know that, you know, that that's not true. Yeah. But sometimes it is hard to see that when you're in the moment. It's like, well, I don't know what it looks like over there. So I'm going to try to fill in whatever void of a picture that I can with where I'm at now. But um, that's that's just what the thought that popped into my mind, because I know that like there, there's no limit to growth for one thing. Yeah. And I looked like none of this would be here had you not set had 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 not set it in motion for one thing but also guided it to where it is now too you know and i feel yeah, like yeah. we're gonna have to do another episode yeah so let's so, so let's go to a sports analogy to kind of to kind of put a cap on that that yeah. thought yeah should kobe bryant should michael jordan have been on the bench in the fourth quarter well no but other guys that had a different set of talents could have in some ways demanded 
that that they be on the court, you know, doing their thing. They could have demanded that, but that would have been foolishness. Yeah. So at some point, they either had to have the force maturity or they have to have their own maturity. Right. And then and then you talk about those those great runs for the great athletes. Where did their coaches or managers often? Where were they? Were they standing there literally coaching all the time, yelling? Actually, some of them were, but most of them weren't. They were, they were there for rooting the team on. They were there for saying, oh, here's this little detail. Don't forget this little detail. You guys know the play. Here's the detail that you got to oh. know. Oh. And I'm just observing, okay? You got two coaches at that point in time, one that's yelling and one that's not. Mm-hmm. It would only make sense to me that if you have a coach that's yelling, it's because he didn't actually coach them the correct way when they're not in the middle of the game. Perhaps it might be his personality. You Maybe know, you, you, you consider me a calm person. I have not always been a calm person, <laughs> right? but as I've become more of a coach rather than a player, I've started understanding that that calm is what lights the players up. It gives them the ability to, to fail a little and do better. Yeah. But, but it's also my personality to really root them on, to really, to really tell them the details, make sure they know it. You got to know this detail. You have to know it. Right. Right. This could be winning or losing right here. This one detail. And that's what a good coach does. Yeah. Is. I doing this. And if you do this, we we got this, you know, and that's what a coach is for. And that's, that's more my role now. Now I'm far from done. I'm in good health and I could, I could stay in the field, but that would not be good for Kano Industries. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't help us double again, which is what we probably will do in the next two to three years. That will, that would not be helpful. And double doubling for you from where you're at right now, that's a major feat. Yes, we're, de- we're currently at 37. <laughs> We're currently at 37 employees and we were talking about the number of trucks we need this next year to do the things that we're either doing already or starting yeah. to do. And just the number of trucks we need to handle the number of people that we have to put in those trucks to do their jobs. I think, I think it's somewhere between five and seven trucks, pickups and, and, and tool trucks and with trailers. And, and so we're probably talking four trailers, six more pieces of equipment, 14 people. You know, it's crazy. Do you you have, do you have a, do you have a dollar amount? Do you like, you know, so number of equipment, so X amount of trucks, it's going to cost us one and a half million dollars to get just the equipment. Because from what I've seen, you know, unless you're in the space that we're in, it doesn't really register to people that are asking. And so, you know, there's a lot of different lists and I'm, and I'm kind of advocating for the listeners at this point in time, you know, mm-hmm. so, okay, well, if you know, you need six more trucks, then just go get six more trucks. Well, it's not always that easy. You know, there's also a dollar amount attached to that. And usually a truck comes along with other equipment and trailers, like you're saying, and then people, you know, so just that small area of growth, do you have a dollar amount that's attached to that, that you know of? I, I don't. And here's, and here's the reason yep. is that, is that one thing that we're very selfish about is our profit margin. Yep. And then our gross profit margin is what we're very pointed at all the time. 
and that's a job costing that's per project. We want to make sure we're as close to that as possible. Mm-hmm. We will sacrifice that if literally our jobs at times are big enough to produce the number of dollars that that would in multiples, like more number of dollars than we would normally produce in a 10 hour period. Yep. We're willing to sacrifice some of that profit margin to get the higher volumes, Yep. but we do it intentionally. So, mm-hmm. so instead of giving a dollar amount that says X number of dollars buys this many people in trucks, mm-hmm. what we usually, what we've been doing is for every, for every two people, it requires one adding one truck to our to our company okay and then so i i won't get into it all now but i just did something that's about forecasting and it's basically a, a, an expanded org chart yeah tells us everything we need and it talks about the people it identifies the people we'll need in an ideal situation in seven, eight months, we're supposed to have, based on this org chart I drew, 18 more people. Now we're not going to do that because we're not going to buy nine more trucks and nine more trucks would mean six more trailers and seven or eight more pieces of equipment. We're probably not going to do that, but it helps us pull this out and say, okay, for every two people we hire, we have to have a truck. It's this number of dollars. We've got to look at our profit margins and make sure we can out of our gross, can we spend that and still have some net at the end of the year? Yeah. Okay. So that's how we look at it is some of the things that are on that org chart I drew that have dates attached out to July 1st that we're going to hire these people and put and buy one more truck. What we're probably going to do is kick the can down the road into 2024 and, or maybe even middle of 2024 on some of those things that we want to bring in house. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great example would be a saw cutting division. Saw cutting here is so hard to deal with. It's a scheduling issue. We need saw cutting on 20% of our projects and really? maybe of our commercial projects for sure. And probably actually about 20% of our residential projects too, because of uh, transitions and stuff. And so we're looking at that going, yeah, but what if we had somebody at least one, maybe two people in house that could do that for us. And so that's one of those that we may just suffer through the pain of having that sub dealing with that sub for another year on those, on those situations, in those situations where we need that Yeah. until we get a high enough volume where we can actually produce dollars with that, with that segment of our business. Yeah. Cause right now it would be, it wouldn't be to capture more dollars. It would be to spend less and create and, and control the schedule. That's, that's huge. If that, you control the schedule, you capture dollars. Yes. Right. Yep. Yep. So that's what we have to decide. And there is, there was actually four new areas in our company. One we're starting for sure. January one, it probably won't ignite until sometime in March just because of the season. Yep. But, but we're starting it. January one, and there's two pieces to it. We're starting those, but then there's four others in our company that if we did it the way it should be, if I just divided out the verticals, if we did this, we'd have to have this many people. We'd have them on this date. And we're going to look at that. And I know we're going to kick some of it down the road because the metrics don't work on, can we get that many people? Can we buy that? Literally, we can't buy that many trucks. They are not available. 
<laughs> yeah, which is they a are problem not. as of the last couple of years. Yes, and unless the recession grows, we're not going to get that many people either, good people, right? Right. We're not going to be able to find them. Now, the recession gets worse. That also takes our flow down a little bit, our, our cash flow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. We, the recession gets worse. We may have to drop our profit margins a little bit. Yeah. So that affects every one of those decisions. Yeah. So do I use a dollar amount? No, I don't. We use di- different metrics. Uh, for instance, last Tuesday, we made a decision on a, Pete Jr. brought a list of things and he said, this is a thing on the list that I, that I need you to help me make a decision on a $75,000 trailer. I hate buying trailers. They don't produce anything for the business. Like they don't make money. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't. They're the worst, but you got to have trailers. Yeah. So we sat down and based on our, our core values as a company, will it help the core? Will it, is it core value neutral? At least if it's negative on the core values, we don't do it. Yep. If it's at least neutral on the core values, doesn't affect them at all, or it helps them, then we'll, then we consider that. Then we consider our, our motto, our, the, the mantra that we use day to day, which is transforming lives one shovel at a time. Does it transform somebody's life in our company or our customer? Okay. If the answer to that is yes, it does transform somebody's life. Then, then we move to the next one, which internally, internally, the, the thing that we are always working under is quick and painless payment solutions. It's a little phrase we use amongst ourselves. Okay. Quick and pavement payment solutions. If it makes us quicker, then that's, in this case, we buy that trailer. We don't have to unload so often. The answer is yes. Yep. But it doesn't make us more painless to the customer and to us. Yep. Does it make us more painless? The answers were all yes. So we didn't look at the amount of the trailer. We looked, did it? I mean, of course, can we afford it? That's the, that's a big question. That's why we do this in front of the finance person, which yep. is my wife, right? Yeah. So we go through this list of things. Does it fit these three criteria? And does it is it at least neutral on our core values? If the answer to all those is yes, then the answer is 100% yes. Do we have the money? Right. And if she says, yes, we have the money, then it, the decision's made. We made the decision in three minutes to spend $75,000. Because we have not financial metrics that are making our decisions. We have company internal and external emotional metrics and culture metrics that make those decisions for us. Yep. I would recommend that for everybody That's taken us two years, over two years to get there. Right. So it's not something that happens all of a sudden, but last Tuesday we made that decision on, on the $75,000 trader and that's not the biggest decision we've made, Yep. but we made it in three minutes. And that's important. That's a good use of time. I I'm hearing that means a lot means a lot to me because I know what it takes in order to, I know how many years and how many hours, I mean, you just kind of said it took you two years to get to that point, but it took you two years to make a three minute decision. Yeah. You know, and and then lots of experience too. So it, I've been in business 38 years. So it took more than two years. Yes. So but- it took you 38 years to make a three minute decision. And the reason I say that is because somebody that's, you know, more, more closer to the space that I'm in, I, I sometimes feel like I have to read between the lines for the benefit of, of everybody, because 
just because you're making a decision in that time frame doesn't mean that somebody in my space is going to be able to do the same thing if i don't have the proper boundaries in play the the key to that is not the time that you made the decision or that you you know solve three three uh bullet points with it is that you have the framework in place that guides you to make the correct decision yes and and you can go back to a couple of things that i'll give you know, I'm sure we're getting short on time. So we are, we, we've got four. But, <laughs> yeah. So, so you look at the, the name on your shirt, it says integrity. Yep. Okay. If your decision doesn't fit that as your mantra, then the decision, if it, if there's a no or a half, no, then the answer is no for now that is stop. Don't right. eat. We're done talking about it. Right. But if it creates, if it, if it's at least, integrity neutral or above then you move to the next step and for you i'm sure you've got core values that you work under as a business and everything you can use those there are things that you often use within your company that you use with the guys like how to uh, for instance another one we use often is how do we get one percent better what if we got one percent better every week yeah we you we could use that that phrase right there to make decisions like this Yep. Would this make us 1% better? If it's more than 1%, then the answer is yes. Let's push towards it. If the answer is, will it get us to 1%? No, it would only make us a half percent better. Well, then well then we're not going to do it right now. Mm-hmm. We're not. And so whatever you guys use in your company, that in most cases you already have in place, at least in, at least in the upper management, the owner, the founder's mind, it's already mostly there. Yeah. You just have to pull it down to, and for me personally in my life, and this dovetails into the business is joy, peace, and fullness. Does it actually create those things in me? Yeah. The trailer thing had something to do with that for me. Yeah. I'm sitting at the table and I am that guy. Does it create joy, peace, or fullness? If it doesn't create those, then does it take away from those? If it takes away from those, then my answer is no. Right. We're buying a trailer. Right. But if it's at least neutral or moves those forward yep. because it lights you up, because it brings you joy or because it it gives fullness to the company, fullness to the if it encourages the management team within that division yep. that they now are more painless and more quick, then the answer is yes. It doesn't serve us. Does it serve? If it us? doesn't. If it doesn't serve us based on whatever we use as our words to indicate that. Yes. Then the answer is no. Or yep. or if it does, then the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. Keith, I don't want to take you any longer. I know you, I know you got a a deadline, but I honestly, I feel like we need to have, we need to do this again, probably next week. So we can have a two part, um, two, two separate episodes, because there's a lot of things that I really, I circled here on on my notes. Um, you know, the topic of, uh, a prodigal father, as we talked about Mm -hmm. before, Mm -hmm. um, I think that we can land on, on personal development, which we never really got into and, and yeah. your take on that. Um, and honestly, the lead separation, I feel like we've only got tip of the iceberg on that whole topic. And yeah. so just between those three things, I feel like we'd be, I feel like I would be doing everybody an injustice if we didn't open those up. <laughs> so if, if you're good with that, then, then we'll do this again. Um, we'll continue this soon and we'll probably yeah. do a back-to-back episode with it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love that. So, 
though. Um, one thing I, I, I before we go is, is I jot down a note here that's been sticking out to me when you were talking about good to great. You know what makes a great leader great, and you had brought up well they're they're still engaging with all elements of contribution. You know, I don't want to say bottom floor, bottom wrong, you know, it doesn't, it, it, that's not what it's about. They're still engaging with all elements of involvement. But one thing that stuck out to me, it's like, well, what do you have to do in order to be capable to do that? Because somebody in a growing business that's still setting the framework for how they operate, which is where I'm at right now. Okay. We are setting, how do we operate all the time every day? What is the system that makes the thing do the work? Mm -hmm. And in order for me to be able to engage with all elements of the business on a much bigger scale, there has to be a lot of work that's put in ahead of time in order to get mm -hmm. to that point. A CEO that's stepping into the role of CEO in an existing company, as long as he manages his, his, manages his time and effectiveness right, he's able to do that. On somebody that's building up, you can't, ignore your responsibilities and main priorities just to engage with everything else. Like that will take you out at the knees too. And I just wanted to kind of put that out there. And so somebody doesn't take that and run with it in the wrong direction. Like, no, you still, <laughs> like you don't get out of having to do the hard work in your business. <laughs> so no, 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 no. I, I was in the field most of the day yesterday, Yeah, but I didn't wear boots. And I, uh, we do another podcast. So I can, I can explain why I was in, I, by the time I was done, I was freezing. I had layers on and the day gradually got colder, but I was sitting there shivering because I'm having conversations with my guys and they were pointed a certain direction. Yeah. And I'm going back out today after, after a meeting, I'm going to go back out and catch another couple of guys out in the field and I'll explain why. Okay. Yeah. Well, Keith, thank you very much for your time. Um, as you know, I, I always, I enjoy talking to you. I mean, we, we've talked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot we, of late night conversations yeah. sitting at the, at the table, right? A lot That's of late night. Your, your kitchen table will always hold a place in my heart. <laughs> and I know, that, I know that I'm not the only person that feels that way too. So um, again, thank you. And we'll do this again. So yeah. Uh, Actually, we don't. We didn't even really get into very much on like how big your business is. I mean, you know, what was it? Thirty-eight years you've been in business, but there's a lot that the listeners aren't going to know of your credentials, really, which are which are very impressive. So, all I got to say about that is tune into the next one to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, all right. right. Th thanks, Keith. Yeah. Talk soon. All right. Bye.